Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, this is James and welcome to Brainwaves uh, on 3CR 855 AM on the dial. Today on the show we have Philippa Richardson who will be talking about her lived experience with schizophrenia. And today interviewing we have Serena and Kathy. So I'll hand it over. Hi, Philippa. It's Serena. What were the early signs that you had a mental illness? So uh, early signs were uh, suffering from psychotic episodes uh, when I was a teenager. And the, but the main um, contributing um, factor was failing at uni. <laughs> uh, yeah. And um, how quickly were you diagnosed with schizophrenia? So the first signs were... Um, sort of around 16 years old, but I wasn't diagnosed till I was about 22. So about yeah, six years of suffering before getting a diagnosis. Um, hi, hi, Philippa. It's Kathy here. And can you tell us about some of the therapies you've tried and whether they were beneficial? Yeah, I've tried um, a lot of alternative therapies. My mother was an alternative therapist, and um, she sort of introduced me to aromatherapy to start off with when I was a teenager and I found them pretty beneficial like as temporarily relieving some symptoms. Um, later on in life I discovered that writing was very therapeutic for me um, so I started doing a lot of writing, experimented with um, different alternative therapies but I'm currently on um, a chemical, <laughs> chemical therapy from a psychiatrist which, uh, which really manages or mainly manages the um, most of the symptoms. Okay, sounds like you've tried a lot of sort of different types of therapies um, yep. and not yep. just the mainstream one. And um, with, regarding your family and friends, have you found them to be very supportive? Uh, my family have been very supportive. Uh, they all support me with my endeavours and um, try and provide as much relief as they can um, through my life but um yeah my friends are sort of selective of who i tell with my friends mm -hmm. selective of who i let know of my condition um yeah more to protect myself than anything and that's fair enough uh living in a regional area uh what challenges did you face accessing professional support and coping with a mental illness um so some of the challenges i've had where I grew up, uh, Western Sydney didn't really have any kind of professional support, um, so that was a challenge. Uh, living in, then living in Tasmania, uh, had there was limited professional support, um, but once moving to Melbourne, uh, there were still challenges um, finding support, mainly through online, I had to go online to find support, and then through phone calls, and then lots of referrals through my GP, and been an ongoing process. I'm still in the process of trying to get more professional help. Um, and so at the moment, would you describe your illness as well-managed or does it tend to fluctuate depending on external factors? It definitely fluctuates, yeah. Um, it, uh, good days and bad days. Um, stress, like mainly financial stress, really puts a pressure on me and um, affects, affects my symptoms and sort of increases 
the severity of them puts a lot of strain on relationships as well and and yeah and work and study and everything um so prior to the birth of your daughter what were some of the challenges that you face on a daily basis daily basis um making long-term commitments <laughs> or making any kind of long-term commitment it affected affects my relationships uh, my time management committing to anything long term um, yeah, I mean, it's sometimes even the basics like eating well and sleeping well uh, yeah like have um, a bit of insomnia as well like not being able to sleep properly and not making the best food health choices and um, concentration it also affects fairly regularly being able to concentrate for long periods of time Mm-hmm. And um, now that um, you're, with your pregnancy that you've experienced, um, how has that um, experience been? I, I imagine there would have been more problems with having, you know, sleeping and um, yeah, concentrating yeah. as well. Yeah, pregnancy, I tended to isolate myself a lot and I was uh, spent a lot of time in what I call my healing room, which contains various crystals and angel statues and uh, various other alternative um, ornaments. But uh, I think the main, one of the big uh, effects it had on my pregnancy was my severe paranoia of my baby's health. <laughs> I sort of really suffered um, a lot of paranoia about my child being born with an illness or not being born at all or um, yeah, having problems with birth and not surviving and yeah, it got quite quite bad. Um, but uh, yeah, early motherhood, um, staying on top of my medication was a major challenge. Uh, I've had had a bad day where I didn't take my medication and I was just, yeah, it was a very, very, very bad day. <laughs> so trying to stay on top of my medication has been a major challenge and uh, it has affected, affected me. Um, in terms of your career, Philippa, what were your plans when you were younger and have you had to adjust any of your goals as a result of having schizophrenia? Uh, when I was a teenager, I didn't have long-term goals. I thought I'd be dead by 30. <laughs> so, um, yeah, creating and developing long-term goals is, uh, I guess, has been affected, affects me as a result of schizophrenia. Um, yeah, just having goals and trying to see or figure out what I'm going to do for, with my future. Now I'll have a child also to plan for her. And um, Yeah, career-wise, career my, my idea of a career was getting into events for free. <laughs> that was my career goal at the time as a teenager. And, and I did it. <laughs> I managed to get into a lot of events for free by volunteering and then joining, joining the event industry. Um, so if you had you mentioned joining the event industry, but I know you've worked in other areas, what sort of difficulties yeah. have you had in terms of finding and maintaining employment? Well, I've never had a full-time job. I've been working since I was 12 years old. I'm now 29. Never had a full-time job. only ever worked casual. Never even worked part-time. Never made that or had that commitment to an employer. I find it difficult to... Um, conform and work for someone else <laughs> like I can't agree with agree with people very easily and especially employers I haven't found I just haven't found the right employer or um, 
I'm just incapable. <laughs> did you find there was stigma when you were in the workforce and did that sort of affect your not sort of wanting to work full time? Uh, yeah, well, stigma, my understanding of stigma is uh, sort of just the inability to um, empathise with people that have an illness and it's not so much that I have encountered stigma, it's I've, well, I've encountered, I don't know, um, people I don't like and I've quit a lot of jobs and I haven't really found a supportive environment. Um, yeah, I haven't really found the right place to work. <laughs> Um, well, it can be obviously a difficult thing given your condition. You have, however, completed a number of courses, including those in alternative therapies, event management, sociology, and you're currently undertaking a Master's of Metaphysics. What were the motivating factors for completing all these courses? Uh, so mainly my yeah, le- learning, trying to learn, learn about the world and learn about in, like learning the information that's available to people with a curious mind, uh, trying to understand understand these kind of theories and um, how alternative therapies work and what they can, how people can benefit from them. Personal knowledge, personal development, um, trying to inspire my writing. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, a lot of the studies I've done is just to inspire my own writing, trying to get new topics and new new things to write about, making connections between... Well, a lot of metaphysics work is trying to make the connections between schizophrenia and clairaudience, which is yeah, an alternative belief. And uh, you mentioned prior to the interview that you're, uh, you question whether some of the alternative therapies and your belief in them are possibly delusions. Could you uh, expand on this? Yeah. So um, this is a tough question to answer, but has a very long answer. That's um, all right. So the extent of the belief that people have in alternative therapies goes far beyond any kind of rational or reasonable um, length or extent. And it, it um, like people who think aromatherapy therapy could cure cancer or something or um, bring someone back to life, even to that extent. <laughs> yeah, it, it, to me, it becomes a collective delusion where there's an asc- a census among people that it is believed to be true. And it, uh, in some circumstances, it may actually be true, but it's still a delusion until proven or um, become factual. And a lot, of it, a lot of it's in the realm of the unknown, um, going on people's personal experiences or individual experiences and then claiming that, you know, if it does one thing for one, it could possibly do it again for another and um yeah like i'd describe it as collective delusion could be uh, it may be true but at the same time it may not um but i also think that some religions are collective delusions <laughs> so i think it's a balancing act between uh, alternative therapies their practices their beliefs as well as um modern medicine like trying to if someone can take into consideration the, the extent of, oh, sorry, the, the um, understanding between alternative therapies and modern medicine, if they could com- not just combine them, but sort of have a, a 
better understanding of, I don't know, what's possible and what's not. <laughs> uh, hi, Philippa. Like, what alternative therapies um, would have you actually found, like, would, help, would possibly be helpful to other people and they would want to use in their life? Yeah, uh, well, I recently discovered something called angel healing. And I thought uh, angel healing was highly beneficial to me and especially in, in relationships or with relationships with other people. Um, if you have a problem with someone, you can always contact their guardian angel instead mm. of confronting them yourself. That sounds and interesting. I found that actually works. <laughs> so, I mean, it's a belief. It's, um, it's something that you can try. Doesn't work, then try something mm. else. But, but that sounds very also, spiritual, doesn't it? That, yeah, yeah. I mean, a lot of the alternative therapies. Are, yeah. Um, can some of them? Some of them have a science base. Yeah. Some of them have metaphysical base. Um, the other one I tried was energy healing. Yeah. Um, I found energy healing to be really beneficial and useful to myself and clearing out my own energy and refocusing myself, being able to. Um, I don't know, go on a different path and try some try something new and So that's like using prana sort of like in like Yeah, the using key, the, yeah. Also Kundalini. Yeah. I don't know if you've heard of Kundalini but um a long time ago I did a Kundalini dance workshop. Yeah. And that was the first time I'd been introduced to anything like that. Yeah. And that experience changed my life. It was actually probably quite close to well, just before I was diagnosed. <laughs> oh. So they coincide and um was that a very expressive sort of sort of dance? Very, yeah. Oh, okay. Very. It'll get get right into your core and go through the chakras and yep. clear out the chakras, energize them, ac- activate them, and, and that was very healing. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was an experience and a half. It was mind blowing. It was yeah. transformative. <laughs> and this is probably something people in other cultures have been using for a really long time, yeah. and they found it really helpful yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. So. I, I find it like quite um it's good to like just not just look at the you know, the traditional mainstream and just go out there and explore um other yeah. stuff. Because if we find but healing for ourselves, so um Yeah, I think that's meaningful. Uh, down to the individual and um try try like the first thing you have to do is try. Like you've got to Yeah, give it a go. Gotta experiment a little with yourself and um different different approaches to different situations. I mean one one type of therapy will be more suited to a certain problem than another. Mm. And if you have an overview of sort of more than one, you can turn to the one that you need at the time and look for a solution there and um, yeah, have, have options to you, not just, oh, I'm sick, I'll mm. go to the doctor. How did you um, like come across these type of therapies? Um, well, my mum my, my mom was a massage therapist and then an aromatherapist. Um, and so she introduced me to alternative therapies and I didn't stop learning after yep. after understanding what she did for a living <laughs> mm. and then um, yeah, explored a bit further and looked into other other avenues of ways to heal. Mm. Um, you mentioned earlier your writing, Philippa, which I think you probably also find quite cathartic. You've written books and you're writing for a hub garden how important is writing and creativity in your life and managing your illness so important it's like my number one choice of therapy it's my number one thing to do um it's a high priority 
it's highly therapeutic to me and um yeah it's something it's it's what i want to do like i've written poems i've written hundreds of poems including poems about why i write and um why it's beneficial to me and yeah, I think one of them is titled It's What I Want to Do. <laughs> so it's both a passion and something that's sort of quite healing. Yeah, yeah. It, put, it, it, it puts all the jumbled stuff in your head into a comprehensive, understandable form <laughs> that you can then reflect on. And, um, and it's also a record of what you've been through. Like It's a way to travel back into time and look at how you were back then and re-experience things and reflect on things and yeah it's immortalizing <laughs> um and you've published some of your writing haven't you yes and yep. how do you feel about other people reading you what you've written and your, about your experiences uh well i mean the audience is the unknown so i don't know, like half the people most of the people that ever read it i'll never know although i've had um, live experiences where i'll have have the book that i've written in my hand and meet a person and tell them to open a page at random and read a poem from the book. And that's the poem you meant to read. And it's worked every time. <laughs> they've got something out of it and they've they've um, read the poem that was meant for them. And, yeah. Sounds like a really powerful experience. Good, yeah. <laughs> um, could you read to us a selection of your writing, please, Philippa? Yeah, yeah. Uh, one, one of them from first book that I've ever written, Life, Love and Everything, a collection of poems. Uh, this one's back to the um, delusional theme. Um, it's called oh, it's called Delusions of a Spiritual World. A world full of laughter, light that can heal, energy flowing all around, love shared, magic in the air, changing auras, glowing chakras, dancing with the earth, Singing birds, talking dogs, whispers from flowers, lifelines, windows to the soul, a spirit that lives on, biochemistry, organic foods, music that touches the heart, avatars roaming the planet, spiritual leaders, the white light, uncontrollable fear of darkness. Another one on the same page is, uh, if it's real to you, what if it never happened? Do you have any proof? Was it imagined? What did it accomplish? Did you achieve anything? Is there a record? Are you paranoid? Who believes you? Can you talk about it? When did it happen? What did you take? Where are you now? Who got hurt? What do you look like? Have you ever had treatment? Do you need help? What have you experienced? Was it real to you? How has it affected you? What do you believe? I think those writings um, are very evocative. <laughs> uh, the last one I'll read from the book is called I'm Mentally Ill. Do you expect me to be reliable? Do you want me to be honest? Can I be responsible? I feel unwell. I don't know if I can cope. I'm not up to the task. You want from You want more from me. Sometimes I don't function properly. It's mentally exhausting. It's physically demanding. I'm emotionally, it's emotionally draining. I'll do my best. Don't expect miracles. I'm none of those things. You don't want me. I'll let you down. I've always said no regrets, but I regret what I've done. I don't learn. I will keep trying. 
and that's that's from Life, Love and Everything, available from Amazon and Google Play. It's got a collection of 249 poems that I wrote in two and a half years. Thank you for reading those wonderful poems for us. And um, f- besides from writing the poems and you found it very therapeutic, has it, um, you found that the, this has helped other people um, in I their journey so. as well? I hope so, yeah. I mean, the purpose of publishing so many um, poems and things is to make the connection with someone else and to um, express something that wouldn't be otherwise be able to be, be expressed and for it to be out there and available to people to read. and Yeah. Um, Philippa, you use the internet for your writing, studying and pursuing other interests. Can you explain yeah. why it plays such an important part in overcoming issues you face as a result of having a mental illness? Yeah, uh, I think it's the solitude and being able to do things at my own pace. Uh, the flexibility of it. I mean, sometimes I like to study at 3 a.m. Sometimes I like to study for 12 hours straight, <laughs> um, using the internet um, to achieve has been probably the the best way or best form of my learning. Well, yeah, face-to-face classes, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. doesn't work for me. <laughs> no, and it probably gives you the autonomy um, you mm. need given your circumstances. Mm. I mean, it also, like, it gives me a great sense of achievement and the feeling of being rewarded for something, a sense of accomplishment, which I haven't been able to experience in, like, the workforce. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thrive on feelings like I'm succeeding in something or that I've achieved something. I think with a mental illness, it's very important that you feel like you can accomplish something. Yeah, well, I think and you've accomplished a lot with all your courses and your writing. No, um, thank you. As well as the courses we mentioned earlier, you've also completed certificates in fitness. What role does yes. fitness play in your life? Uh, well, my mum was a big advocate of fitness and a healthy, active lifestyle, and I think it helps with, especially because like, I've also like dual diagnosis with depression. Mm-hmm. Fitness and physical activity helps with um, depression, depressive symptoms, even though it's the depression causes you not to want to exercise, but the exercise will help with the depression. Yeah. It's the cycle. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, do you try to exercise daily or...? Yeah, daily. Is that um, difficult with a, um, a little one, though? It is, yes. Uh, if I'm not falling asleep and I'm not feeding the baby, then I'm trying to do yoga. Yoga is my um, preferred choice of exercise. And you like that because it has a sort of calming, sort of psychological yeah, component yeah, to it as well? And, yes. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, the mental mental and physical yeah. uh, release. Yeah. Um, you clearly are a very proactive uh, person. How critical do you think self-management is in coping with a mental illness? Uh, I mean, no one's going to look after it for you. It's your illness. You've got to ownish, own, take ownership of it and own it and... You've got to, um, yeah, you've got to help yourself. Um, no one can do it for you. So self-management is very important. <laughs> and, like, no one's going to force a pill down your throat if you need medication. You need to manage it yourself. No, and um, you, in terms of yeah. self-management, you've done things like education, your writing, um, and yeah. all your therapies, you really take. It seems like you've really taken control, or tried to take control. Trying to, yeah. yeah trying you've done to a lot, control. yeah. How do you it's, have you it's an ongoing it all process. in? 
ongoing process. Done your best to take control. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Like I said, it's ongoing. I mean, the next five years, who knows what I'll be into then, and <laughs> what I'll find beneficial. But at the moment, yeah, I'm just trying to trying to do my best. Thanks very much for your time, Philippa. Thank you. Thank you very much Thank you, for the Philippa. opportunity. Thank you. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.